0: My name is David Marvin. I lead the porch on Tuesday nights. Get excited, which is clearly has some people here. We are continuing this series playlist. Why do we call it playlist? Because we're looking at book, the book of Psalms, which was the playlist for the nation of Israel. In other words, there was no Spotify back in the day. They would go to the book of Psalms and that was a collection of songs they would sing. So we've been going week by week. Today we are continuing and wrapping that series up and looking at one uh, incredible Psalm. It's Psalm 118. So I'm going to read through it and then uh, give us some traction for where we're going. So if you have a Bible, flip over to Psalm 118. I'm a little sick. It's not COVID. I've already had that this summer. So everything's fine. People, let me start in verse 1. It says this Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron, a priest, say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord, or a Jewish converts, say, his love endures forever. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid, for what can more, mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. His right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but I will live and proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord chastened or disciplined me severely, but he's not giving me over to death. And then the psalm moves into we are the champions from Queen here. And it says, <laughs> open the gates of the righteous and I'll enter and give thanks. This is the gate of the Lord. Through which the righteous man, or I will give thanks to you, you have answered me and become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done it, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he's made his light shine on us. With boughs or branches in hand, let's join in the festival procession, the parade, up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Ends where it began. Now, if I was to ask, to give us some traction for the incredible context of this song, what is the greatest movie soundtrack of all time? What would people say? Braveheart, Lion King, Forrest Gump. Hot take, all right. (laughs) I put together what I think is at least in the top, it got to be in the top 10 of greatest soundtracks or soundtracks behind movies. And because we're wrapping up this series, it felt relevant to play some of them. So our tech team is going to play some. This is a more recent one, but here is what I would say has got to be at some of the top list. By the way, if you're watching online because of copyrights, Must be present to win, so you can't hear it. But everyone in the room, give it to him, Alex. Oh, they're singing on. The Greatest Showman. It's a recent one. It's the moment everyone realized, man, Zac Efron can sing. Wow. So many great hits from that soundtrack in the movie. Here's an older, oldie but a goodie from another movie that is just a classic. Here we go. Oh yeah, Tarzan, man. <laughs> Phil Collins. He went hard, harder than he had to for us on it, and he did it. So many, so many great songs on that movie soundtrack. And then I think maybe one of the greatest of all time, and you've got to put it up there next to Sound of Music, coming straight out of Elton, give it to him. Turning a date night for you people, okay? <laughs> what does that have to do with what we're covering? Well, Psalm 118, uh, believe it or not, if you were going to put a soundtrack to one of the biggest holidays that was celebrated by the nation of Israel, which is Passover, Psalm 118 would have been the pinnacle song on that soundtrack. Why do I say that? Because Every year at Passover, which was the celebration of God rescuing his people, they were slaves in Egypt and Pharaoh would not let his people go. And Moses goes up to him, says, God says, let my people go, 10 plagues, uh, eventually they're let go. And they would celebrate every single year, Passover, where God passed over the firstborn son in every child that, or every home that had the blood of a lamb marking its doorpost. And so for thousands of years, even today, the nation of Israel and Jews today celebrate Passover. It's a huge, huge celebration amongst them. And at the end of Passover, in other words, the celebration is not done until we sing the Egyptian Hallel, which is Psalm 118. Even today, if you attend a Seder, at the end of the Seder, they will sing Psalm 118, the Hallel. Not only would it be the soundtrack for the most important, arguably, celebration of the nation of Israel, it would be the soundtrack to the most important week in human history, which was the final week of Jesus on the planet. Why do I say that? Because this song and lyrics from this song would bookend the beginning and end of Jesus's final week. When he walks into town on Palm Sunday, you remember the story, they come outside, Jesus is walking in, they've got palm branches everywhere, and they begin shouting lyrics from this song, Hosanna, which is the word, Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You probably have heard those words or song lyrics before. And there are crowds around and they're shouting this song. And then we're told that at the end of the Last Supper, which was Passover, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30, sang a song, a hymn, before he headed out to be crucified, which would have been, as it has been for thousands of years, Psalm 118. This, when you think about it, is one of the most sung songs in history that for thousands of years, every year at the celebration of Passover, they're getting together and they're singing this song. It's a psalm that is one of the most repeated or quoted chapters in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Very few chapters, in fact, only one is quoted more times than this song. In other words, when you look at the writings of Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we look at the writings of Paul, over and over they quote lyrics from this song, as it was a big deal to the early church and to the writing behind it. And as we're gonna see and explore why it was such a big deal, it'll begin to make sense. But originally it was a celebratory song celebrating Passover and reminding the nation of Israel as they sung together, our God comes through, for his people. So I want to look at three reasons why the song lays out God is a God that comes through for his people. So we're going to walk back through and look at three different ideas. And I'm going to start in verse one through four and look at the first chorus, if you will, of the song. He says this, Give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His love endures forever forever. Let all of Israel, and he begins to move into almost like outcast hey, yeah, where he goes through different groups of people. He's like, all right, where are my Jews at? Let me hear it from you. His love endures forever. And they're yelling back, his love endures forever. All right, where are all the priests at? With a real priest, please stand up. Let him hear it. His love endures forever. And then in case I missed anybody, if you're not Jewish and you're not a priest, you must just be... a convert to Judaism. Let me hear it from you, people. His love endures forever. It's hype. It's pep rally. He's going across the room. I want everybody. Now you, let me hear it from me. Now ladies, all right, let me hear it from you. And he's just going through. But it's difficult to miss. He's trying to emphasize a clear characteristic about God. His love endures forever. This song, if you think of songs that are so familiar, you just grew up and you always sung them the minute the nation or people would even hear some of the words, his love endures, they could have finished the sentence. It would, it would be somewhat of this. If I was to say, sweet Caroline, boom. Same with this. They would have heard it and grew up as little boys singing the song. Of, his love endures forever. It just immediately came to mind. That was better than you guys are giving me credit for right now, okay? And, uh, but it's just a classic song. And the first idea that is hammered home by the author, which is likely David, is God's love never stops. God comes through for his people, and he's a God whose love never stops for his people and is worth celebrating. The first idea, if you take notes, is God's love never stops. And he uses a really interesting word for love. In other words, in English, we just primarily have one word for love, and, and that can kind of dilute, you know, I love my wife, love my kids, love. Chocolate, love, but in different languages. And in Hebrew, there's different words for love. And he uses a really interesting one. It's the Hebrew word hesed. It's a word that means covenant-keeping love. That the covenant-keeping love of God for his people, which was the nation of Israel, and now as believers in Christ through Jesus, is us, as the people of God. It never ends. It never stops. There's nothing that the people of God can do to stop God and his Unending covenant-keeping love. What's a covenant? A covenant is an important idea to understand because it's different from a lot of other relationships that we have. A covenant is one that is only breakable through death. It's not conditional. There's no stipulations. Distinct from a contract, if you will. Contract, what's a contract? Lots of us are in contracts with your, uh, your phone, mobile service provider. AT&T, that's a contract. Your Spectrum or your internet or UVerse. Contracts have stipulations and conditions where if you don't keep your end of the bargain, if you don't pay, or if I just don't like your service, or if I can find a better deal, I'm out. Different from that is a covenant where the writer of this Psalm is saying, God has entered into a covenant with his people. And that covenant is marked by a love that is unstoppable. No matter what his people do, his love never ends. It's the closest. And perfect example would be the type of relationship you enter into in marriage. Where marriage, you enter into a covenant. Or I stood before, it. if you're married, you stood before your spouse. You said, till death, do us part. If things get better, things get worse. If you go crazy and run to the Himalayas, I'm coming after you. There is nothing that can stop me from loving you. And the writer of the Psalms says, that is how God is. You can know your God will never break his covenant and his love for his people. And then he continues in verse 5, says, When I was hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. And it goes from different groups singing to a single singer stepping up to the microphone who's like, let me tell you a story. When I was hard-pressed, I cried out to the Lord, and he brought me into a spacious place. When I was overwhelmed, I felt suffocated, I felt trapped, I cried out to God, and he delivered me. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? It's a verse that's quoted in Hebrews chapter 13. The Lord is with me. He's my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to trust in the Lord or take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The author begins to describe like, I have discovered putting my confidence, my trust in God brings about security security. And protection in my life he's a better thing to trust in than people they're gonna let you down than princes than your own abilities than yourself put your trust in god if you want to find security in this life not in circumstances not in what you face not in yourself not in a relationship there's only one place that can provide lasting security second idea from the text that the psalmist points out is god provides lasting security He's like, it's better to trust in him than trust in people or in princes or in stuff or in things or in a job or in your health. Put your confidence in God. He's in control. He loves me. And that's where I find security. It's pretty simple but important truth because how much of life is spent looking for security in shaky places, things that ultimately are going to change or can let you down and can fall apart? And the psalmist is saying, no, no, put your trust in the only one who provides lasting security in this life. What do I mean? How much of our world, or how many times are we, and even as Christians, tempted to find security in just different places and spaces? I work a lot with young adults, and I'll I'll see the fact that they're looking to find security, or another way of saying is, I'm insecure over the fact that I'm still single. I'm not okay unless I'm in a dating relationship. Or the fact that I'm not married yet, I just find it kind of gnawing at me. And it's reflecting putting your hope or finding your security in not princes, but prince charming or princess charming. Looking to other things that bring me some sort of security. Maybe that is not as prevalent in this room, but probably as prevalent, if not more, is finding security in something that is going to bring shaky ground, which is money. I mentioned in Hebrews chapter 13, it's funny, they quote this verse on the context of money. Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Keep your life free from the love of money. For God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord, verse 6, is my help. I will not be afraid. I'm going to be okay no matter what I face. Whether I have a lot of money or I have a little bit of money, and David would say, or the psalm writer would say, If you put your security or you find security in how much is in your bank account or you're insecure because how much is not in your bank account, you are putting yourself on shaky ground and destined to not experience lasting security. In other words, peace or security that comes from temporary things will always be temporary. Maybe for you, it's not money and that's not really your challenge. Maybe for you, it's an external appearance and you know, just as life goes on and gravity wins and we all get older, you find yourself unable to kind of cope with the fact that external beauty is just fading, which reveals part, at some portion, of, of the security that you had was coming from how you look. It can be a number on a scale that ruins someone's entire day because they've found security and, or they're looking for security in how much do they weigh. Maybe it's for you, it's your, it's your job career, and this can play out in a couple of ways where people find security over how far along they are. You look at you and you're, you're successful, you got a company, you started it, and there's something about you that just thinks more highly or you just have more peace and your security and you're finding it in what you've accomplished. Or on the flip side, you, you know, you, you look at your career and it's not where you wish you were and you're about to be 40 or you're about to be 50, you're about to be 60, you're not going to be able to retire when you thought you would be able to and you think less of yourself because of that. Because you found some part of your security in a career. It begins to make sense why the psalmist would say, No, all of these grounds are shaky. Look to the only one who provides lasting security. Everything else, because it's temporary, it will only bring temporary security. But you and I can walk in relationship with God and have continual confidence. When we find our security in him, he's in control. He loves me. He's not surprised over what I face. I can experience peace. I walk with him and have continual confidence. No matter what I face, no matter how much I make, no matter how healthy my kids are, how well-behaved or successful, I'm okay. It's not dissimilar to what the author is describing. What we have available is a continual source of security. My yard, um, it was about a year ago, Two years ago, in our front yard, there were just places where it would be continually wet. And I'd go outside, and it hadn't rained for like days, and the grass would just be wet. And I was so confused and began to just go through exploring like what is happening underneath here. And they came out, and they checked the sprinkler system. They're checking for other sources of water. And after several different people that come out and evaluate, it was discovered that there's a natural spring underneath our house. And uh, which quickly came from like, all right, how do we fix that too? Okay, well, wave the white flag. We're now fighting God. And so we just said, all right. And the guy was like, well, on the flip side, it's actually kind of a good thing because your grass will always be watered. You don't need to water your lawn. Like your neighbors, they're going to have to go out and they're spraying and they're going to have to put a sprinkler system on or they're going to have to go water their yard. And you're never going to have that problem because it's continually going to be connected to a source of what it needs. Jeremiah picks up this idea and connects it to trusting, not in stuff, not in people. Put your trust in God and you'll have lasting security. You'll be connected to a source that provides you what nothing else can. It says this in Jeremiah chapter 17 Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree or like grass. By the water that sends its roots by the stream, it doesn't fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. No matter what it faces, it's okay. You know, I, there was a guy on staff. There's people who live life and and they really are marked by this. There's a guy who was on our, our staff that his name was Jim, and he was having open heart surgery. And I remember somebody asking him around that time, like, hey, are you nervous? It's a pretty big surgery. They're opening you up and you're putting your life in somebody else's hands. Are you nervous? And he responded in a genuine way and said, no, I'm not going to live one day longer than God has ordained and I'm not going to live one day shorter than he's ordained. So no matter what I face, I think I'm going to be okay. He just had this continual confidence of like, God is in control. I believe that. It was marked by putting his trust in the only one that can provide lasting security. Now, that's one thing to walk through trials or be facing a surgery. How do we get there? And the Bible says one of the ways that we get there is by continually trusting or actively trusting and choosing to act according to what God says. It's one of the ways we trust God is that by acting. God, I trust how you say to date. I trust how you say to live. I trust how you say to parent. And I'm going to act in accordance with that. Apart from doing that, you don't flex the muscle, and we're not actively trusting it. It's like this. When my kids were younger, we'd go to the pool, and I'd get in the pool, and both of them would get on the side, and I'd get ready, or I'd say, hey, you can jump in, and I'll catch you. How did I know if they actually believed I would catch them? It required not them just saying, oh, yeah, I think you can, but jumping off the side of the pool. In other words, I'm sitting there with my son and my daughter, and, you know, my son, who does believe, is jumping. My daughter, who doesn't, is like, I don't know if you can catch me. Until she leaves her feet, she's not trusting in her father. She's trusting in her footing. And in the same way, until we make the decision that, God, I'm, I'm going to decide. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going believe you're going to catch me. I'm going to pursue purity as I date. I'm going to give generously because you say to. I'm going to handle conflict like you call me to. I'm going to forgive people. Not because I want to, but because you say to. I believe you can catch me. And I trust you. And the more we do that, the more that trust grows and we experience increasing security, which the author of this psalm says, you're not going to find it anywhere else. But it's available and a continual source of it. And then transitions verse 10. It says, all the nations surrounded me. It's telling this story. And... It becomes clear this is not a normal man who's telling the story. In other words, all the nations surrounded me is not something, you know, an accountant says. Where they're like, every, they we're all around me. He's the king. He's the king of the nation. He's the king of Israel. He's telling the story that I was surrounded on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. Hammers home, the same idea. They swarmed me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off down. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Verse 14 is an interesting one and makes sense why it was sung at the end of Passover. Verse 14 and 15 and 16 are quotes from Exodus chapter 15. Quotes from the oldest song in the nation of Israel's history. What what do I mean by that? Exodus chapter 15, in case you haven't read it recently, is the moment after the nation of Israel was backed up against the Red Sea. They walked out of Egypt. They're like, we're going to be free. And all of a sudden, they find themselves with their back to the Red Sea and an army of Pharaoh's army in front of them, or a group of Pharaoh's army chasing after them, and they have no hope. What are we going to do? And God says to Moses, lift up your staff. And he parts the ocean, or he parts the sea. They walk through on dry land. They get to the other side. Pharaoh's army is still chasing after them, And you got to think all the emotions going, man, they're an army of horses and chariots and soldiers and weapons, and we are a bunch of slaves and farmers. And as they get to the other side, the army that's pursuing them has water collapse on them. And the nation is saved. And they burst out in a song. And the very first song in the nation's history is this verse that he quotes from the oldest song. That they had, that the Lord is my, it's a direct quote, strength and my defense. He's become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory will resound in the tents of the righteous. Again, it quotes, the Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand has been lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die, but I will live and proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me, disciplined me severely. He has not given me over to death. It begins to make sense. Why? Oh, it's a celebration of Passover. But of course, you're celebrating God delivering. And then the psalm takes a turn, and it's been kind of moving up towards this. And it, as I said earlier, it becomes that we are the champions part and begins to talk about a parade. Open the gates of the righteous, and I will enter in and give thanks. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me, and you have become my salvation. God, you answered, you delivered, you are victorious. The third idea from the text that we see is that God's love never stops. God provides lasting security, and God's victory is certain. And the psalmist is singing over, no matter what I face, no matter what we go through, God's people win and as christians we fully or more fully even understand because we know how this thing ends no matter how bad things get god's victory is certain no matter how many theories integrate into culture or what political party is in control or what happens or pandemics in the end god's victory is certain on the cross he defeated the power of sin and one day he's coming back. He's going to make everything right and get rid of the presence of sin. God's victory is certain. And the psalmist is singing it and praising God that because I'm with him, I'm guaranteed to win. It's, it's not dissimilar to this. My kids or my son this past year played T ball, and the rules of T ball have changed in the last couple of years. It's kind of, I didn't know this, but we showed up for the first game, and they began to walk through the rules, and the rule was every kid gets the bat, they hit, they go to a base. Just a single base. Then the next kid comes up behind them, and they go, and they hit, and the next kid goes to a base. And they just all the way go around. Everyone gets to bat. Everyone gets to score, because we're further creating problems for the future. But this is how they play. And so every kid is going through, which means that the number of kids that you have determines the number of points that you'll score. And so our team had more kids than every other team, so they would show up, and they knew they won before the game was even over. Because they're just like, is that? One, two, three, four, five. We won. And uh, (laughs) before it even happened, it's done. They won. And the psalmist is saying, with God, you know, if you've trusted in Christ, this for sure applies. You win. We know how it ends, no matter what we face, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bad it gets. God's victory is certain. It's beautiful. But where it goes next begins to reflect this psalm is about a lot more than just a a king or the passover meal passover is a lot more than just about passover and it'll make sense why i say that because verse 22 the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone the thing on which everything else is built and rest the thing that was rejected has now become the thing the whole thing's built on. Come, the Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. He's done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us, which is the word Hosanna. In other words, the translation of the word Lord, save us, is translated and it's hosanna which is translated and left in that same version in the New Testament of Hosanna, Hosanna, if you're familiar with that, which literally means Lord, save us. And grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. He's made his light shine on us. With branches in our hands, let us join in the parade or the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord. He is good. His love endures Forever. What I mean by it becomes very clear why this psalm was so loved by the New Testament church. At some point they began to go, this, this whole thing is about so much more than just an ancient king. I think we're in the presence of the one he, it's always been about. All four Gospels record the moment when Jesus walked into town and the crowd around him. Hundreds of thousands of people were in town for the Passover feast. Everyone would come back and they'd celebrate the Passover feast. Hundreds of thousands of people everywhere. Jesus gets on a colt, begins to ride in on what we call Palm Sunday. And thousands of people gather around and they break off palm branches, which were a mark of patriotism in the nation of Israel. They begin to throw them at the feet and they begin singing Psalm 118, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he's writing down as they're singing Psalm 118 around him, Pharisees or teachers of the law become indignant and they're saying, Jesus, rebuke them for saying that. Luke 19 tells us, rebuke them for saying that. That's reserved for the Messiah, for the King. And Jesus says, if they stop, Even the rocks will begin to cry out. All of creation knows who I am. That's an incredibly arrogant thing to say. (laughs) Unless it's true. And he continues going further. And we're told in Matthew 21, he gets off eventually the colt and he begins to heal some people that were around. And he's healing people and children begin to sing. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he. And they're singing Psalm 118. And it says the Pharisees, again, were indignant and saying, do you not know what they're saying? They're singing Psalm 118, the Messianic Psalm, to you. And Jesus says, have you not read that out of the mouths of babes and children I will bring forth praise? He is claiming to take the praise of God. I don't know at what point it all began to click. Was it in those moments that, this song that they had heard the whole life. I mean, they grew up singing this song. These disciples, they, they grew up singing since they were little Jewish boys. For thousands of years, they've sing it. They still sing it today. What point did they begin to go? We, I, I don't think I've ever understood what this song meant till now. It, it's kind of like as a parent, there's songs that you don't let your kids sing. Because, not even because they have cuss words. You're just like, I, you don't, I know you like that Beat. they just you don't understand what that means for us it's like yummy with Bieber and they're like yummy I love yummy and it's like yeah you don't know what that means we're not going to sing that song let's go back to resurrecting and <laughs> it's just songs you're like I know but you don't understand what that means at some point it had to click we've been singing this our whole life we I've never understood what it means this has always been about him my house, or uh, when we first got married, we bought a TV and, uh, and the TV had 3D capabilities, which was like 10 years ago. And it was like, this is amazing. I'm going to sit at home, popcorn, watch movies in 3D. This is crazy. Get into our house, turn the TV on and I put it in 3D mode. And I'm sitting there watching Gladiator. I can't even remember what we we're watching, but everything was fuzzy. And it was like, oh man, we bought a broken TV. This is worse than the normal experience of TV. And then I realize, oh, I'm supposed to put on the glasses. Put on the glasses and everything that was fuzzy comes into focus. What moment was it when the disciples had everything come into focus? They're singing the song. They grew up. They're going to sing it at the end of the week. The moment of the Last Supper where they finally get to the table and they're sitting around moments before they're going to sing Psalm 118 and Jesus is going to go out. Was it when he lifted up the cup and he went through and said, Passover, not only is the song of Passover not about what you think it is, Passover is not about what you think it is. And he lifts up and he, there's a script in Passover. When you go through it, even today, there's a script that they would read and they'd go through and he was supposed to take a cup and he was supposed to say a very specific line, Jesus, as he's leading through, but he doesn't say the specific line. A line that all of them had heard their whole life. They'd done Passover every year. You're supposed to lift it up and say, God, make us worthy to live. In the days of Elijah, as he prepares the way of the Messiah. He doesn't say that. He says, this is about me. This represents my blood that will be spilled for you. Was at the moment when he took the bread and he broke it. And he didn't say what you say, which is, this is the bread that our ancestors ate, the bread of affliction that was ate by our ancestors in Egypt. He says, this is like my body that is about to be broken apart for you. What was it like in the moment when they sang after eating Psalm 118, and Jesus, the Son of God, knowing what's about to happen, leans back against a pillow as he would have it, and he sat. And he sings, the love of God never stops. The love of God never stops. The love of God never stops. It goes forever, even to the point of me coming to die on a cross because the love of God never stops. I shall not die, I shall live. The cornerstone, the stone rejected, will be the stone on which everything rests. Was it in that moment, everything came into focus and they realized we've been singing this song our whole life and the one who is finally the Messiah, he's here. The one we've been waiting thousands of years, he's here. The one that not just the song, but all of Passover and all of life is about, he's here. Maybe it wasn't in that moment, maybe it was the Third day, we at least know that they had not just 3D glasses, but third day vision where everything came into focus. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've waited for. His love endures, and Jesus sings those words displaying, my love never stops. It never ends. Words that still apply to you. And words that any person who says, man, I am not going to reject the one I was made for, the one the song, the one life is about, which is Jesus. I'm going to build my life. I'm going to trust in what he's done. will experience the love of God, the security that comes with him, and the victory that is certain. Psalm 118. It's a good psalm, man. Because it's about a good God who would give his life because his love never stops. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the incredible, beautiful truth. As Matthew 26, verse 30 says, that you got together in the last part of your meal, you sang that song and you sang, your love endures forever. I shall not die, but I shall live. And those who trust in him will never be put to shame. I pray for anyone who has never, by faith, made that decision today. It would be their day. I pray that you would help us, those who have. God, we have so many things fighting for our our attention, to find security in, to look to, to find our, our worth. And would you help us to not put our confidence in shaky ground, but in you. Thank you that your love never stops and you displayed the links you will go to no no end on that cross hours after you sang this song we worship you now amen